0: be a light, not a judge. Be a model, model, not a critic. If you're like me, constantly working to design a life that will allow you to reach your fullest potential so that you can leave your mark on this planet, then you're in the right place. I'm glad to have you on this journey and hope you enjoy this episode of Inside Out. And we are live with Brendan Kumarasamy. I'm Billy Samoa Salibi. And we are B squared together. That's what we make. And so. Brendan and I just had about an hour long conversation and we're not going to get into everything we talked about, but one of the things that we talked about was this concept known as sharing the L's or sharing the losses. So I want to talk a little bit about that. What sparked the conversation and who are some of the people
1: who do a really, really great job of this? Yeah, I completely agree, Billy. You know, The conversation we had was around the influencers, the people who lead conversations online or on social media, the people who stand out are often the individuals who share their losses. We can't relate to perfection. I think there's so many great individuals who embody that really well. Gary Vaynerchuk is a great example of this, where he's not afraid to talk about his losses, like when he passed on Uber, when he passed on Airbnb. And he says so openly that, you know what? If I had it passed on the angel round for Uber, I probably would have been able to buy the Jets by now. So we're all learning from the experience of our losses. But what separates people like Gary is they're not afraid to share it. Another good example is Lewis Howes. Whenever Lewis Howes is on a podcast, he's very open book. And he's open book in the sense that he's able to communicate his L's in a way that helps other people. So he says, Quite openly, I lose at this, whether it's in business and relationships and health. And here's the lesson for everyone who's listening. He's so humble and he's so open about his experience as just a human being like all of us, that it inspires many of us who might put influences up on a pedestal and say, well, if Lewis could do it, why can't I? Brendan Bouchard also does that really well. So so what is it psychologically
0: You mentioned this idea of we don't relate to perfection, or it's more difficult to relate to perfection, yet we can relate to people who are perfectionists, especially those who talk about perfectionism and they talk about their battle with perfectionism. I'm one of them. I know that having posted about the concept of being a perfectionist and battling with this idea of things and endeavors needing to be perfect the people identify with that. They relate to it. So this relatability factor is so key. So you mentioned Gary Vee, you mentioned Lewis Howes, Brendan Bouchard. These are people who've had prolific amounts of content that they put out where they do, in fact, show that vulnerable side. But yet yesterday or the day before when we talked about Seth Godin, he, he doesn't talk about his personal life as much. So as a content creator and as somebody that produces content, How should we be thinking about this idea of being vulnerable and being willing to share the losses? If maybe
1: we feel a little bit hesitant to, what advice do you have? Absolutely. So the first thing I want to talk about is even in Seth Godin's case, which is interesting, we didn't talk about last time, is he's actually very comfortable sharing a lot of his L's, but he just never does it in his personal life, to your point. He's very specific about where he wants to share the L's in a way that's relational to his work. So I'll give you an example. When he released his recent book on creativity that he calls The Process, right, or The Work, or The Practice, rather, is the correct title. In that book, he argues that the only way to be creative is just to fail a bunch of times. And half of the book is pretty much him talking about all of his failed ideas. You know, I have all these books that worked and all the books that didn't. And even as a shelf in the back when he speaks, the shelf is actually all of the ideas and the books that didn't get published. And I thought that was super interesting. So my advice, whenever we think about sharing L's and you know we might be scared of it, let's put those reasons on a piece of paper. And this is true with anything we're scared of. Putting it on a piece of paper helps us really look at it objectively. Why are we scared about sharing our losses? Is it an insecurity of us? Is it a sphere around what our clients might think or the businesses that we serve? Is it a reaction from a family member? I would really write it down. And it's specific to every single person. Like for me, the main reason I was afraid of sharing my L's was in, in looking in front, bad in front of my clients, right? My, most of my clients are double, in some cases, triple my age. So I always want to look like I'm perfect in front of them. But what I realized when I started coaching them is that was opposite to what I needed to do. I needed to show them and I need to be vulnerable to my own challenges or else they're going to look at me and go, well, Brandon can do and I can't, which is not at all the point of what I do. Same thing with six-year-old girls when they watch me give a keynote. If I put myself on a pedestal too much, they're going to have the same reaction. So instead I talk a lot about, you know, a lot of the challenges I had as a vehicle to serving my core audience. So, and I know you do the same thing as well. So so the key is really putting that on a piece of paper. What is it? Get honest with yourself. Why are you scared of sharing your L's? Why are we scared of that? And then having a conversation with our close friends and saying, is this fear as big as I think it is? And most of the times your accountability group will go, well, actually, Billy, you shouldn't really be scared of that because I know a couple of executives and some of the most successful ones. Are super open about failure. And I don't think you'll have any issue with that. And then you just start removing those objections. And then the third piece of that, Billy, is then communicating the L's that are the least hurtful to or the least painful. So for example, you know, I might not share that much about my romantic personal life in terms of the L's, or I'm very open about it, I don't really share that much. But when it comes to my business, when it comes to my health, When it comes to the decisions that I make around my family and how I balance the and I'm not very good at that. I'm very open about those things. So even I'm not open about all of my L's. So the point is, as long as you're open to one or two, build up that resilience so that one day you're open to openly share all of your L's. Well, you got
0: to crawl before you can walk. You got to walk before you could run. And so take those steps towards feeling this freedom to talk about anything. And I think Maybe you don't want to. Maybe there's certain things that are sacred that you want to keep to yourself. And to your point, Seth Godin's not afraid to talk about his losses in a business sense, but he's not going to talk about his personal life. And we don't know what that is because he doesn't talk about it. You know, I think about there's so many people who've done this exceptionally well. James Altucher is another person that comes to mind. One of the things that he says, and he's put out a ton of content, he says, I don't press send or publish until I'm worried what people will think of me. I don't press send or publish until he's worried what people will think of him. And so that just shows you that like he's had some epic failures. He's made and lost millions. David Meltzer's another guy who had tremendous success and has had ups and downs, but he's not afraid to share the peaks as well as the valleys. And so we have some amazing uh, people here. I want to call out, you know, if you could put where you're calling or where you're uh, listening or watching from. I see Brian said he shared about an insane loss, some fraud that happened years ago uh, at a business, uh, to his business on a LinkedIn Live and a podcast. And it did uh, very well. you know, So that's, you know, clearly you could share it in a public setting. Uh, Ada from uh, Malaysia. Hey, Ada. And I see Kenyal. What's up, Kenyal? Good to see you. Uh, I'm back on LinkedIn. We're both uh, here and Brendan's spending some time on the platform. So uh, thanks to everyone for being here. We're going to be here as regularly as possible. And so this is what our fourth one now. So we're getting the hang of it slowly but surely. We want to know what you want to talk about. Today, we're talking about sharing the L's, sharing the losses. Who else, Brendan, comes to mind when you think of people who've done this exceptionally well? I'd love to know who else is in that. Category of feeling uh, the freedom to
1: share their losses and and what's been the effect from them doing so? Absolutely, you know. I think the person at the top of the list, by far for me, anyways, is Lewis Howes. And the magic of Lewis, and he's very open about it. He never says he's the smartest guy in the room. He never says he's you know the the richest one or the healthiest one or the man with the nine pack or the six pack or the ten pack. But what he is always open about, and everyone else gives him credit for it, he's always the best student in the room. Always. And that's why his podcast is so good. Right? There's one way to become an influencer, Billy, which is talk about yourself, all about yourself, make the content about you. And if you're good enough, and your personality shines, you might make it to the top. But Lewis lies on the opposite end of the spectrum. It's bring out the unique insights of other people, be so curious that everyone else wants to sit across on a campfire and listen to what Lewis is dissecting from all of the best people that he has access to. And that's what led to his success option too. But because of his ability to question and ask important and difficult questions for his guests, that also implies something else that most people don't think of is that for you to ask questions that are difficult and pushy and hard, you need to ask them to yourself first, or else you wouldn't be comfortable asking them to other people. So if I ask you something like, what's your biggest fear? What's your biggest challenge, Billy? If I was interviewing you, I can't actually ask you that with a straight face until I've asked myself that question, Mm -hmm. which leads to this conclusion. Some of the best podcasts, including Lewis, Lewis, someone I deeply respect, He's asked himself thousands, not hundreds, thousands of questions to himself. And because of that level of introspection, he's very secure about who he is, where he's going, and also the value in which he wants to share with his audience, because his audience is at the end of the day, his end customer, the person he wants to serve. So because of that, his shares, whenever he self-reflects, especially solo episodes where he's just self-reflecting on his own life, Is powerful, Mm. super powerful. Or when he's being interviewed by somebody else he knows really well, because in those moments, he's not afraid to explain his losses in an excruciatingly detailed fashion. And he did that recently with his personal relationships. He did that recently, and he does it all the time with his health, his wealth. And the benefit of that, to your point, is somebody who's much younger than him, somebody who wants to learn from Lewis. A, isn't putting up Lewis on a pedestal. B, clearly understands all of the mistakes he's made. And C, can use those mistakes as a vehicle to A, be open about our own and understand that's a part of the journey. You could still be successful anyways with them because it's a part of the process. But the other piece is going, okay, how do I not make those mistakes? So more on a personal note, when I started listening to a show when I was 17 or 18 years old, I went through all of them from episode one. So I pretty much learned every mistake Lewis has made and also every mistakes his guests made. Mm. So I quickly skilled up on myself. And that's how I've been able to get to this level at 25 years old. All thanks to Lewis and to people like him who are open about their L's.
0: Uh, You took away my joke. I was going to say, so that was last year, right? So (laughs) yes, he's actually 25. I was going to make a joke earlier when you said three times your life, but you're only 16. So that's only about my age. So Uh, no. Okay. So In order to be a great teacher, you first have to be a great learner and a great student. And School of Greatness, Lewis's podcast, he's in the front of the room asking questions, being curious, acting as a student. And because he's acting like a student, he's able to listen and take on the information in a very inquisitive and curious way. So actually, as you were talking, Ada says she prefers Victor Antonio, J. Abraham. And others in YouTube channel that's more tactical for businesses. And so actually, I want to talk about this because, yes, sharing the losses is really important. And sometimes those are very vulnerable. Sometimes it's personal. How do we tie this back to practical, actionable insights that people can apply in their lives? Because nobody just wants to hear the downer story without there being something to uplift them and give them inspiration to take action in a positive way. So, what ideas or suggestions do you have in that realm? Absolutely.
1: So, here's a good way of thinking about this, Ada. It's a great question. Is we need to start thinking through, Billy, the story and the outcome. One cannot live without the other. And the same thing is true when you talk about your losses. If you just share the loss and you don't share the lesson, what was the point of sharing the loss? But if you share the lesson and you don't share the loss, How can I trust you? How do I know that this works? Right. So there's, there's, it's like a peas in a can, right? You kind of got to do both. So the reason why it's so important to combine both is this is where the real expertise comes, in my opinion, which is the one I trust the most lived experience. Why would you listen to a speech coach who doesn't know how to communicate effectively? Why would you trust a cake expert whose cakes don't taste really well, right? For them to get there, they have to make a bunch of mistakes, a bunch of trials, but the ability to communicate those trials not just shows that you've lived the experience and you know the lesson works, but also the fact that you the person trusts you as someone credible because you've lived. So when somebody asks me about communication, whenever I speak or I give an advice, I only teach what I preach. That means like, if somebody asks me, like, how do you speak in a second language? I'll always reply with, Oh, I struggled with that my whole life, right? I spoke in French my whole life. I was really bad at it. But here are the three things I did that helped me. So, with the loss and the lesson, when we combine the two, when we marry the two, that's when the magic starts to happen. And the examples that Ada gave, especially in the context of J. Abraham, J. Abraham does that as well. He doesn't do it as often as someone like Lewis but he definitely does that. He's very open about his L's. He just just does it more in the sense of what Seth Godin does, more on the business side where he goes, you need to do this in your business, and I ran this X company, or I had this X client, like a case study, and this is why he did it work, and this is how he turned it around to make it work. So there's still a story, there's still an L behind that or a win, but the key is really to marry the two together. Mm, And... It's so great because our
0: when you think about reaching the, the mountaintop, often there was a, a valley that preceded that mountaintop. And, and you may have been on a mountaintop before that valley. Andy Enriquez talks about this idea of sharing your story from that perspective. You don't want to leave somebody in the valley, right? So if you were on the mountaintop and you went down to the valley, don't leave people there. You want to help them get back up the mountaintop. And so the double L, starting with the loss, but then talking about the lesson and then how it applies, you do have some credibility when you've said, hey, I've been there before. I know what it was like to feel this pain. I know what it was like to experience this loss. I know how being in this situation at a pivotal point in my life where bad things happen or negative things happen. Because now I'm on the other side of that, I was able to learn from that and then apply these lessons to my own life and make meaningful changes. So as we, as we think through, we, you know, we've talked about a lot of people, talked about Lewis, who talked about Gary, talked about Seth and others. I'm wondering, once we've shared the lesson, what's the next step of the process to make sure that people actually can apply the lessons that we're teaching? in their own life? Because I think it's easy to say, hey, I've done this because of this loss and and I learned this lesson. But now people need it to be real for their own lives. And I'm curious if you have a framework or anything that would be helpful for those who are watching and listening right now to say, okay, when I hear these things, this is how I could apply it. Or perhaps if they're a content creator and they share their own loss, how can they share it in a way that others will actually benefit? Absolutely. So there's two pieces to that,
1: Billy. One is to understand why the double L works so well, the loss and then the lesson. The reason the double L works so well is because most people on the internet we don't trust anymore. You know, somebody comes up to you, Billy, and says, You know what, Billy? I'm going to scale your business from zero to eight figures in six months. What do you think? So you immediately, the smart people, the people who can actually afford those types of services, who are willing to shell out that kind of money, will immediately distrust you because they'll go, how did you do that? What did you, How did you get there? And when you share the L, it makes it very obvious to that person or more obvious that you actually know what you're talking about. Maybe not necessarily in the context of business coaching or really anything that you've done. So it's a way for us to gain trust and to convince the person, which is the first part of persuasion and the first part of getting someone to do it which is really communicated to them that I was exactly like you. We went through the same story. Lewis does this phenomenally well, you know, and he's always open about his story. Broke on his sister's couch, early 20s, no skills, no money, nothing, right? But he had a vision. He had work ethic and he knew how to talk, you know, how to build relationships with people. And with those three skills, he built up a business. He made himself successful. So if he could do it, why can't you? And that's the first piece of persuasion, getting people to take action is the idea of I've been there, I've done it, and if I could do it, why can't you? That's why I always say if I could spend my whole life presenting in a language I didn't know to be the communicator I am today, why can't you do it? First part, convince them that it's possible. I don't care if it's communication, business, convince them of the possibility that it's possible, I guess. <laughs> so, part two, is make it easy. Get them the easiest possible way. Here's a question for all of you to think about in this live stream. What is the easiest way to get somebody a transformation in my expertise? What is the easiest thing that Billy can do, that Brandon can do today to get them the result? To prove to them that the momentum can get built. Same thing. You can be a business coach, life coach. Think about that. So for me, the answer to my own question is the random word exercise, right? You pick a random word, you practice it a couple of times. I've seen this time and time again. When people do it 25, 50 times, they go, well, I'm actually a lot better. This is actually kind of fun. And then they get the quick win. And then after they get the quick one, that's when the momentum builds. And Vamsi, my business coach, my partner says it so well, it's so much easier to take someone from one to a hundred than zero to one. Zero to one is excruciatingly difficult, but one to hundred is like simple as pie when you compare the effort of the two. So zero to one, figure out what your zero to one is. Is it gratitude? Is it random word exercise? Is it, you know, send one voice message to somebody that you love? I always think about it in that lens too. And I know you do too. Yeah, it's like it's, like it's, little, it's little action steps. It's, it's
0: tiny steps. Instead of saying, hey, we want you to jump to the moon. No, we want you to take small steps. We want you to test. Can you get your rocket ship to go 10 feet, then 20 feet, then 30 feet, and so on. Take those incremental steps and eventually you can get to where you want to go. Anything, in fact, anything I could think of worthwhile it took a lot of little steps to get there as opposed to one giant leap. And we humans can compartmentalize the the small steps and visualize, more importantly, those small steps actually working more than we could say, we're going to get from A to Z. Instead, let's go from one to two. Carry, carry on with your
1: thought, man. No, absolutely. And you just actually made me think of something even more interesting. Which is, I think the biggest mistake people make when they consume knowledge is they just consume it, they don't reflect on it. So let's say somebody's listening to the live stream, they're listening, to like, oh wow, this is interesting. At least I hope, anyways. But they're listening to it, but they're not saying and they have a bunch of notes, right? On their phone, right? On their Word document, on their notebook. They go, Hey, Brendan Billy, I got like two pages of notes. What they don't do, and I highly encourage you to do this is what are the three things I'm taking action on immediately after the podcast is over? Because our goal here, and most people don't talk about this enough, but our goal here for people to know this, we don't really care if you disagree with 95% of what we say. We don't really care if you don't take action on 95% of what we say. But what we do want you to do is the three things that you're like, oh, what Billy said there actually makes a lot of sense. Oh, what Brendan said in that, those three things, we really want to make sure you implement that. That's the key. Same thing with books. So many people spend like 8, 10 hours reading a book. But we're not asking ourselves, what are the three things to take away from the book? So they just read it. They're proud of themselves. They don't get nothing. They go to the next one. That's a big mistake. So the best way to get from zero to one, three insights per episode. What are the three things I learned from Lewis? What are the three things I learned from Gary? What are the three things I'm learning from Brandon and Billy? That's the second piece. And then the third piece is the one to hundred. Now you have the momentum going. So keep it. Don't lose the momentum. That means quickly escalate. And that's why I'm a big believer in focus skills. So here's how I do things. What are your three main priorities in life right now? Okay. And who are the three people or resources that you need to follow to get there? Super simple. What's my number one priority right now? Getting clients. What's my second priority right now? Growing on LinkedIn, and what's my third priority right now? Growing my YouTube following. Notice I'm super clear, very fast about it. So what is the knowledge that I need to accumulate to get there? Okay, my 100 clients. I get to go to my business coach and track that number. Okay, I got one today. Let's get two. Let's move. LinkedIn, okay, 3,400. How do I get to 10K? I need to get more lives. I need to collaborate with Billy, etc. YouTube, okay, I'm not doing enough here. Where am I being lacking on? I want to keep the momentum going, keep the ball rolling. So I'll be the third piece. Well, the big Mo, as my friend Martin Wiley would
0: say, is momentum. And I have always felt that momentum is the fuel for success. And when you are able to generate some momentum, it's like rocket fuel because it is something that allows you to it's like a flywheel. Once you get it going, it, it continues to keep going. And so I don't care what you're doing in life. If you're able to generate momentum, it builds upon itself. It's the whole snowball analogy, which you roll a snowball down a hill, it picks up momentum. You try and roll it uphill, it's not going to work, right? So how do you generate momentum Well, you can't expect to do the most difficult thing to get to where you want to go, Instead, try to do something that's gonna be a small win and celebrate those small wins over and over and over again. Enrique says, great sauce takes some time, but oh, the flavor when it's ready. And, uh, and momentum works while you're sleeping. I totally agree with that as well. If you do it the right way, it's, it's gonna work even when you're not involved. And that's the beauty of momentum. And so we're gonna go for about another five minutes or so. As we reflect on this conversation, we've talked about the double L, which is you start with the loss, the loss then moves to a lesson. And then we talked about the power of helping others go from one to two, as opposed to one to a hundred. And we're able to do that by allowing ourselves to get some victories and some wins successively to allow momentum to build upon itself. So I now wonder what could go wrong as we think about talking about our losses, talking about lessons, and then helping people go step-by-step to gain the momentum. What are the obstacles or roadblocks in our way? And this could be either as a content creator teaching people, or it could be the student who's learning these things and wanting to apply it in their own lives, take either direction or both directions.
1: I love that. You know, the way I see it, and Bamsi says this really well, is, and I'm just going to retranslate it, which is pushing the wrong train. You're pushing this train that you want so badly, you're not seeing any results, but you don't think to ask yourself, am I even pushing the right lever? Is this actually the right train I should be pushing? I'll give you a simple example. Let's say I worked 16 hours a day, Billy, on being an NBA player. You know what, Billy, in five years, let me, I promise you today, now I'm gonna work hard every day, 16 hours a day. Sha- I'm gonna get drafted. Shaquille, right? Yeah, Shaquille. <laughs> That's and, I'm an get, it's an and I'm gonna get drafted into the NBA. Right? The Antonio Spurs, or I don't even know, follow basketball. But like they're gonna pick me. I'm gonna get drafted the first round. So I do this for two years. I work 16 hours a day every single day. And then you come up to me and you're like, Brent, how's it going? And I'm like, you know, Brett, you know, Billy, I got a lot better at basketball. But man, I'm not seeing any progress towards my goal. And then you come up to me, and you're like, why don't you see any progress? And I was like, well, these state players are like a hundred times better than me, even after 16 hours of practice every single day. So what we realized after a coffee conversation is I was pushing the wrong trait. I just don't have the genetics to be an NBA player. So it's important for us to be self-aware. And most of us aren't self-aware. And that is just the plain cold heart truth. The issue with us as a, as a society, and I'm guilty of this too. You're guilty of this too. Is we're pushing the trains that are sexy. Because everyone else is pushing that train. I'm going to push it. Too. <laughs> you know, because everyone else is on Clubhouse, I'm going to go on Clubhouse. Because everyone's on LinkedIn, I'm going to be on LinkedIn. Because everyone's on Instagram, I'm going to be on Instagram. Why? Because everyone else is. That. That is the culprit. Self-awareness, being honest with yourself and what you want out of life is what then allows you to figure out what is the right train to push with you. I can give you a personal example and I know it's a similar example to your own story. I quit my corporate life very early in my career. right? Not because I got fired, not because I wasn't doing well. Everyone at my company was shocked when I gave a six-week notice, they said, Brendan, you're going, to be a, you're going to be very successful here. You're going to you have a great promotion, crazy salary boost. Why in the world would you quit your corporate job? And the truth is, even if I loved my job, I love the people there. I got really fortunate, the companies I worked with, I know you did too. I was pushing the wrong train. I wasn't being honest with myself. MasterTalk's growing. I'm actually building a business. I've replaced 50% of my income. Why am I still pushing the corporate train? And when I became honest with myself, that's when the results started coming. in. That's when I was like, wait a second. Even if all of my friends are working in investment banking at JP Morgan or making 150 grand a year when they're 23, I can look at my life and go, they have a great life. They're doing what works for them. But is this working for me? And the second I realized that it wasn't and I changed path, that's when the results started coming like crazy. And that's the biggest mistake, Billy, is we're always watching what everyone else is pushing. We're always following the sexiest train, the sexiest invention. We're not focused on what is the right train for us in this moment of time.
0: Yeah, it, it often happens where it's the wrong train. And as Enrique points out, sometimes it's the wrong tracks entirely. And you mentioned self awareness, which to me, if there's a skill, a soft skill to learn that is probably the most important one you can, and it's not easy, is self-awareness. And the reason why self-awareness is so powerful is it informs pretty much every way in which you show up, both in the way you interact with other people, the way you react to life and how life shows up for you, how you respond after events have happened, how you proactively do things before they happen. Knowing yourself gives you the guidance to be able to make decisions. One of the things that I, when I was teaching leadership development, thought a lot about, and I can't take credit for this, but you know, when we think of leaders, leaders are people who, they have the type of interactions that we are in approval of. And they make decisions that we agree with. So it's the interactions that we have with other people and it's the decisions that we make. But both the interactions and the decisions are a byproduct of our own self-awareness. And when we are self-aware, we're able to pivot and make adjustments to pretty much anything we do in life. But if we're oblivious to ourselves, if we're oblivious to how we show up, how we're perceived and I mean, that's just a small sliver of what self-awareness means, then we don't act in a certain way. We don't make decisions in a certain way because we are blind to our own selves. And so as we conclude here, the one last thing I want to explore is life is full of losses if we really look at it. So how do we know which losses are worth sharing? Because clearly if we don't share the right ones. And if we do share the right right ones, or if we mistakenly share the wrong ones, it's not going to have the same effect as if we share the right ones and avoid sharing the wrong ones. So any thoughts on that? Because I would love to get your opinion on how to identify the right losses to share.
1: Because again, life's full of them. Absolutely. And I love what you said, right? We're often blind to ourselves. I think that's so powerful. And that's why having accountability groups who are specifically truth tellers, I'll be honest, these are very hard to find. Why? Two reasons. One, because we're blind to our own ability to improve. We don't want, we, our subconscious, our intention, our energy rejects the people that want to tell us the truth. So we need to be open to that. So what does that mean? That means going up to people in our network and asking them questions like, hey, Billy, we'd like your feedback and I'd only like you to give me negative feedback. Only proves points of improvement. That changes the dynamic completely. So then if that person doesn't share anything, then you know they're a yes man. And then it's time to be selective about the people that are willing to tell you the truth. Then the other part, which is, how do you know which ones to share? How do you know which ones are right? How do you know which ones are effective to help people? The simple answer is battle test all of them. Battle test every single one of them, not with the larger public, but with that support group, with that group of truth tellers who are willing to tell you what's up and what's down. So what Mm. I used to do, quite frankly, and I do this with my business partners, we do somebody else presenting, and let's say we're both on the Zoom, Zoom, same Zoom call. I literally opened a Word document. I was like, I don't like that. I don't like that. I don't like that. I like that. Here's a 500-word document, all the mistakes you made. And then they do the same thing with me. And we do this with each other, frankly. And where we literally, I say something, and then at the end of the episode, this very pod, you will say, hey, I really like what you shared here. These two things, eh, maybe we can remove that. But the other three things that you said, goal, keep that. So I keep a mental note and I take that very seriously, the same way you do with me. And then through that battle test, when we're ready for the general public, when the audience is big, everything we share is just, and mm. just moves like clockwork because everything just like, it's smooth like butter. So that's the key. Battle test everything with truth tellers and then with the people of your accountability group, all, everything you'll say from that point on will be absolute straight fire.
0: Yeah, and to your point, it's not always easy to find the truth tellers. And that to me is one of the key ingredients to self awareness. It doesn't always have to stem from your own ability to assess yourself. If you have people around you who are able to give you honest, constructive feedback, that is gold. And so hold on to those people, encourage those people and remind those people to give you feedback on a regular and ongoing basis, you will be much better as a result. And so when we think about identifying these people, they may not always be the people you expect. And so you almost have to like hold auditions for these people to see who will be the person actually going to tell you the truth. Because human experience will tell you that most people avoid conflict. They avoid saying things that are going to rub people the wrong way. Therefore, they're going to avoid giving what would be considered blunt or direct feedback, even if that's what you want. So I want to say thanks to Enrique, Enrique, thanks to Lana. Thanks for being here. Uh, We have a bunch of other, uh, Ada and Kenyel and uh, Ada, uh, uh, Brian, thanks for being here. Also, Uh, Enrique says, I share them all because then uh, I will not be, then it will not be the truth. (laughs) Okay. Truth tellers. Interesting. Uh, Thank you so much. So as we conclude, we want to say thank you to each and every single one of you. I'm going to let Brendan close it out with the final word. Uh, But from my perspective, some of the things that I think are really key to this conversation is don't be afraid to share your losses. Don't just share the loss without the lesson. Once you've shared the lesson, then give a step-by-step actionable guide to applying this lesson so that you go from one to two, not one to a hundred, and then surround yourself with people who will help you identify who you are, what you can do on a regular basis to allow your your losses to help other people, and that. Will give you honest, constructive feedback to allow you to continue to develop and raise your own personal bar of improvement because that's who you're competing with. That's who is your only competition is yourself. But you can only compete with yourself if you're self aware enough to know the ways in which you can improve, the ways in which you need to improve. And by having truth tellers in your life, you're able to do that on an ongoing basis. So, with that, I'm going to pass it over to Brendan for a final word to bring us home. Please, if you're not already following Brendan or myself, follow us. We're going to be here on a semi-daily basis, probably four days a week. Who knows? We'll come as often as we can. And we want to hear from you what topics you wanted to want us to explore, what guests you want us to bring on. We're just getting warmed up. This is just the beginning. So Brendan, take us home.
1: Absolutely, man. And What I want to say as a closing remark for all of you who have spent the time with us is to zoom in on what I think was the best insight that you shared today that most people are blind to when it comes to building that powerful circle of truth tellers is the idea of auditions. The idea of how do you meet many people to then select the person. Here is a great way of thinking about this, everyone. For every truth teller, there are 99 others who won't tell the truth. For every truth teller, there are 99 others who want to tell the truth. Not to say that those 99 people are bad people. Not at all. It's just most of us as human beings don't want to give the real feedback because our society has conditioned us to survive, not thrive. Our society has conditioned us to survive, to focus on surviving, not thriving. So there's very little truth-tellers in our society. So what you need to do, and that's the hard work that me, Billy, and everyone else who wants truth-tellers do, that most of, most people aren't aware of behind the scenes, is for every Billy audition, there's 99 other people that, that go through the audition and that do not pass, that do not tell Brendan the truth, that just say, Brendan is doing amazing. And there's always one Billy who's number 97 who's number 83, who goes, hey, Brandon, actually, you're not thinking about these two, three things. this. And that's when I light up. I go, oh, Mm. truth teller. I need a triple triple down on this person. And then that person introduces me to other truth tellers. So it's it's about understanding the work it takes to get to that. You need to be really self-aware. You really need to want the feedback. That's one piece. And I don't think most people are there. And the other piece is once you find them, you don't let them go. You do not let them go. So when I met Billy, I was like, what's your cell number? (laughs) So I keep them. I keep them on the network. And then I literally have a a note on my phone, right? Of a a place I call my advisory board. And the one thing every single person in the advisory board has in common is they always say, I don't dream big enough. All of them. Mm. Every single one of them. And I encourage all of you to pursue that. You need to want it badly enough. But if you do, I think you're going to set yourself up to win. Have your personal board of directors that's made up of
0: truth tellers. And when you find them, don't let them go. Hopefully you enjoyed this episode of B Squared. Until next time, make it a great one. And we can't wait to see you again. Take care, everyone. Thank you for listening to this episode of Inside Out. I hope you took away some valuable insights that will help you in business and in life. breakthrough moment may happen when you least expect it. Insight out.